Welcome to Cabin Minutecast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I am Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. In today's episode, we're covering minute 36 of the movie The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, Jules becomes a fireplace pole dancer. And it's hella awkward. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to say about this minute? You know, she's a she's an attractive person wearing, you know, Daisy Duke short shorts and the camera is panning from out outside source and kind of by the light of the um the fireplace we're seeing her silhouette in the window and she's doing kind of a snaky, sexy, twirly swirly dance and um from one of the resources I was reading, someone said that this was an, uh, a bit of an homage to a similar dance that Willow in Wicker Man does. So if you are familiar with that, that movie, The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, I'm assuming, Willow in that is doing this kind of a similar seductive sort of dance. And this one's pretty over the top, right? I mean, she's really sticking her hiney out and showing her or what my my grandma would call her pigums, <laughs> which is the oh cheeks kind of popping out of the um of the jeans, you know, where it's like your little, you know, <laughs> lower kind of like your lower butt cheeks. Yeah, my grandma would say her pigums were showing. <laughs> the pigums. Wow. That's awesome. I like it. I like the pigums. Uh, the term, the pigums. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> around here, we call that the undercarriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do get some under cheekage there. There's a there's a yes. swing of under cheek. <laughs> <laughs> the rolls on by there, uh, but slightly before we get to that, and I know we talk a lot about views here and who's watching and voyeurism and we do get a horror um maybe a, a buckner peekaboo view i guess right. of uh, a a walk up and what it almost feels like is a vantage point of somebody looking in the window and watching this whole thing go down totally it almost has a almost like a handheld you know it's not it's not shaky Mm-mm. but it moves in a way that is smooth with just a hint of person walking yeah like mm-hmm. you said so yeah it's 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 definitely the buckner peekaboo view type of thing yeah it's it's creepy creepy as fuck <laughs> it is it is yeah there's a, a dash of pervert in there there's just a sprinkling of pervert at the end <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what I was describing as like a, when you see it, when you first see it, it's like her silhouette. And then as as that camera goes up to the window, then we get a different camera angle. And that's kind of like, what would you say is like the kids that are sitting on the couch, sort of that angle to her? Yes. Um, when yes. She's poking her Poking her pigums out at him. <laughs> poking her pigums out. <laughs> Girl, put those pigums away. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's the uh, implication because it's slightly 
lower, the shot mm-hmm. slightly lower. So I think you're right. It's supposed to be from uh, Marty and Dana and Holden's vantage point because Dana and uh, Marty and sorry, Dana and Holden are on the couch together and Marty is slightly off smoking a J and his uh, beat up recliner. Right. Um, slightly off. So yeah, there's this beautiful shot right after this like crazy fireplace pole dance type thing that goes down, which is just awkward as shit. There's this right. great shot of Dana and Holden on the couch looking really confused and what the fuck, basically. Yeah, and I would say it definitely looks like what they end up talking about a little bit later, which is like, this doesn't even seem like our friend. Mm-hmm. This seems different. This isn't how Jules usually is. Even a drunk Jules, you could imagine, might be not quite as overt as this. I mean, this is she's really sticking it out there and and really, you know, like it's fun to dance sexy. I'm, you know, don't anybody think out there that I don't think it is. You know, it isn't. But this is like right to them and there's no reason it should be to them you know this isn't a special moment between her and kurt by behind closed doors this is her making everybody uncomfortable because she's doing this in front of everybody and 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 uh, putting it all out there and and acting like she's trying to seduce the rest of the scooby gang mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just think of you know if i was out you know at a cabin with like you and Brian, and it was my husband and like, you know, another friend of ours. And my husband decided to do a fireplace pole dance in front of everyone. <laughs> that would be really awkward. And and that would not be him. Right. Would be questioning what's happening for him in this moment. <laughs> yeah, almost like being possessed, which yeah. kind of makes me think about last minute when you're talking about the ancient ones, and maybe there's some old magic or old powers and things it's like we know she's been affected by some drugs and stuff but it almost seems like she's possessed Mm -hmm. yeah and she's also directing her sexual energy towards holden as well so she walks up and uncrosses his legs and is like touching his chest and he's kind of like not super comfortable with that and dana's kind of looking away like you know because they're so they've been sort of flirting, so that's kind of awkward. You right. Know? Yeah, so there's a... Sorry, I'm just looking at Kurt while this happens, and hes it's so funny because he's back there dancing and sucking down whatever booze he has in his hand. Like, he's, he's looking like jock idiot number one, right? And he's mm-hmm. boogieing down in his Letterman jacket. And <laughs> it's so funny to think, you know, I think because he's been Thor now for so many years and which I, you know, there's a lot of humor in those movies, but it's really fun to see him in this, just being a total stereotype. And I could just imagine how, you know, they might have asked him to just ham it up and totally embody that character. And he's Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm going for it. And he's shimmying and looking out uh, at them (laughs) watching and acting like it's, oh so fun you know yeah he's not reading the room at all (laughs) no no he because he's being affected as well and i was really struggling because i was trying to write notes about this minute and i was like well he's not really 
I didn't want to say he was dancing because he's not dancing, but I was trying to think of some, like how, what is the term for a jock swaying in place with beer? Like, is there, <laughs> I was trying to think of some sort of, you know, term, and but I kind of like what you said. He was boogieing down alone. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because his hips do move forward and backward. So I mean, I would say he's dancing. I would call it dancing. But yeah, boogieing down alone and that he's just like, he's got his own party and his pants going on over there. (laughs) He certainly does. Yeah, he is a one man party. He needs no one. But yeah, Holden has also like with his outfit, his sort of um, you know, his blue Oxford shirt and the glasses. He's looking much more like our um, our scholar here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dana is looking more like our quote unquote virgin or virtuous one. And yeah, they're not digging what's going on in the way these guys are acting. And Kurt is egging it all on, right? Marty mm-hmm. is like, this is so classy. And he's like, come on, like you wouldn't want a piece of that. Mm -hmm. so nasty it is so nasty it's gross you're like oh it's just yeah there's a something slimy because it's just inappropriately sexual even in the context that that we're seeing it as audience members it's just kind of like oh you went there it's so nasty right right yeah it's just i don't know if you've been in a situation where you've seen somebody just cruise past good boundaries and you know, that person oh, doesn't never, see it. Never. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it has that sense of like, oh, God, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> oh, my God. We've uh, all been there one yeah. way or another. Not necessarily this, but yeah. And and I actually, my two best girlfriends from high school, and then, you know, we all hung out in our teens and 20s. They would get pissed at me because I would always be kind of the one in control. It didn't mean I didn't get drunk and party, you know, like they mm-hmm. did, but I definitely was kind of the one that was always still sort of the level-headed one and you know, that that doesn't mean there aren't stories of me doing really stupid things or <laughs> you know, spending a lot of time throwing up really cheap vodka and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, there's tales to be told, but that might be a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I think everybody in their youth, most people, I should say most people in their youth, I think did, you know, epic stupid stuff, but there's also I mean, I know of situations I've been in even when I'm younger, I'm like, "Oh god, you guys have transgressed in a way that I wouldn't have and we're all inebriated." So I think when you're, you know, when everyone's really on the inebriated level and it really is the great equalizer, of common mm-hmm. sense when you're shit faced and everyone else is shit faced, but you still have a sense of sanity in the situation. You haven't, you know, abandoned all sensibility in the moment where you can still tell this is a bad idea. I may not be able to physically do anything about the bad idea in this moment, but I can tell that this is a bad idea and be right. that person, you know? And I think that's kind of where Marty's at. Marty's still yes. that person of. I'm shit-faced, but I can tell this is a bad idea. Yeah, and he says something that um, you and I have differing opinions on the way we heard it. So mm-hmm. as um, as I mentioned, Kurt says, come on, like you wouldn't want a piece of that. And what I heard Marty say was, 
can we not talk about people in pieces anymore tonight? And so I heard him say people in pieces, like as in people being parted out into pieces. And what did you hear? So I heard, can we not talk about people and pieces anymore tonight? Gotcha. So yeah, I was looking at the video and his mouth went in to see if there was an articulated like D sound Mm -hmm. and that I was missing it. And I I didn't see that. But even listening to again, I heard and. um, Gotcha. But fuck, you know, that's I'm sure. Well, actually, I think you have the script. So maybe there's. Yeah, that's a good question. So we do know that the script, this is the an early version of the script, but I can look real quick here and see if it specifies that. Let me look. I'm kind of curious. Okay, so I'm looking it up in the Cabin in the Woods, the official visual companion that has the script in here. We do know that sometimes it has deviated from this script but when i look here in the script it says uh marty says this is so classy and kurt says like you wouldn't want a piece of that and then marty says can we talk can we not talk about people in pieces anymore tonight Mm. so in the script it does say in and then pieces well there you go folks we got a (laughs) verdict in the moment we got a verdict but it makes sense to me because, I mean, and in whatever, doesn't really matter. But to me, when I was thinking people in pieces, he's getting creeped out by this place that they're in. And they've been in the basement now already. And and I think the basement creeped him out. And, and in the basement, they do talk about, they don't talk about pieces specifically, but the in the, in Patience Buckner's diary, she does talk about hacked off and et and you know other things about pieces so maybe he's just Mm -hmm. sort of associating what they heard from the diary downstairs and people and pieces of people and just sort Mm -hmm. of putting it all together and be like let's let's not read the latin and let's not talk about people and pieces i don't like where things are headed here is what i'm getting the vibe of from marty and that makes a lot more sense because when I was listening to it, I, I didn't, you know, when you had mentioned that you had heard people in pieces, I'm like, well, because when someone says like, that's a piece, like a dime piece. So I think he was, for me, what I thought he was trying to make a point of, because he's been over, Kurt's been overly sexual, you know, these mm-hmm. last few minutes. And so there has been some objectification of both Dana you know, and Jules. And so I thought he was speaking more in that way and speaking like you're a piece. So right. that's why like people and the ass or something. Exactly. Like that. Yes. That's how I interpreted the line, but that's not actually what's written nor said as we've, we've now found <laughs> out, but that was how I heard it and how I interpreted that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I think when you mention patience, you know, hacking off her arm, I think that's more of, of where that reference is coming from. And then I think, if I may merge my original thought with it in, you know, when they first go downstairs and Kurt's like, you called out, you need to take off your top. So like it, it, there's this objectification of like, we're going to see your GGs now, or, you know, the objectification of like him just making that comment, about like, like you wouldn't want a piece of that. And Oh, spoiler alert. Marty already has. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Marty got there first. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Jules comes on over to Marty and she's like, Ooh, are you feeling lonely, Marty? Marty and I were sweeties in our freshman hall. And then Marty says, we made out dot, 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 gets cut off by the end of that minute. Mm -hmm. That old minute. That old minute. Yeah, because she's pawing at Holden. So she pauses her Holden pawing and shifts her focus over to Marty. And Marty almost winces when she does it. Like he's mm -hmm. kind of. He recoils a little bit, like he's a mm -hmm. little embarrassed. It, it seemed to me there's a lot of micro expressions in right. this minute, which I think is there's a lot of good acting in this minute. Honestly, there's a lot of subtlety in their acting because we do have the, I think, a, a big fruition of those tropes we've been talking about and about them embracing not that they wanted to. It's not like I'm going to embrace this new role that I've been chemically altered to become, but right. they're, they're, they're those things now. And I just really liked that Marty, there's a, there is a slight seduction here. So he's, he's remembering that he did have some type of like sexual moment with her in this moment. And he, is acutely aware it's inappropriate in this context, but it's a little taboo, you know, like right. we're catching that there was a moment and it's being hauled out here for all of us. So there's this it, kind of intimate unveiling in, in these few micro expressions in, in these last few seconds of this minute, which I appreciate. Yeah, I do too. And, and like you said, there's some subtle acting going on here with um you know holden as she's kind of pawing at his chest and he's looking his mouth has set you know kind of a, to a tight setness and he's staring away and yeah her best gal pal is now glaring at her you know so uh yeah it's it's interesting and like we've said uncomfortable creepy weird different and yeah marty looks a little embarrassed a little sheepish a little like he's, I think of her as like this harpy or something, you know, something that's both attractive and you're repulsed by because it seems very different than your friend. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, we were talking off mic about is that this is kind of an interesting minute that when you think about you're going to go to the cabin with a bunch of friends you think about we're going to do some type of like collective activity together, whether it's, you know, hey, we're all going swimming or we're all going to go sit around the fire and we're going to roast marshmallows or we're going to talk or, you know, we're going to create a little dance party together. Not a solo weird sexual dance that we're all going to sit and watch. So the chemical alteration of these guys has already altered their relationships you know interpersonally so right. we're seeing this really just go left and 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 you know it's going to get commented on by marty in a couple of minutes down the road but it's affected their ability to be together like they're not playing a game and just just thinking about i think it's the sopranos where they're playing a game and it goes down left like they're playing life or something so they're not doing something collective like as right friends. They're, right they're like breaking off into separate entities with separate seemingly separate goals and ideas about how the evening's gonna unfold or something 
Mm -hmm. Right. And this is also, I think, part of the separation that we're seeing the control room, because if you can break them apart into individuals, it's easier to pick them off. Right. But if they're all together doing something, then there's a strength in the collective. So they're already breaking those bonds down by creating them into tropes. And it's already breaking their friendships. It's straining the friendships. And we can see that in this moment by these guys being so separate, even, you know, how this is filmed. They're so separate. Like you were saying, <laughs> Kurt's boogieing down alone in a corner, you know, Dana and Holden have broken off into a couple on the couch, but they're being accosted by Jules, who's like super sexed out right now on her own trip and just sort of pawing at dudes. And, you know, Marty is, is the visionary. So he's, been segregated and alone you know he's in his own seat in his own space so right yeah well yeah so is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this minute i mean it is what it is <laughs> we've kind of explored what it is that happens here um or should we move on to our friday recommendations yeah, I think that without creating some sort of like feminist liberal arts dissertation about the lack of feminine empowerment and her shaking her pigums at people, yeah, I think we're good in, in breaking the minute down. So let's let's move on to the pop culture portion of the evening. <laughs> Sounds good. So yeah, what would you like to recommend to uh, to me and our listeners? My recommendation is Layer Cake, and Layer Cake came out in 2004, so it's a little bit of an older movie, but it stars Daniel Craig, and uh, this was something that predated Casino Royale by a couple of years, and so I think this also helped put him on the map and, and reference him mm -hmm. uh, to audiences. Uh, it's a, I really, I love this movie. I love this movie. I love this movie. The, the soundtrack is fantastic, for one. Uh, there's a lot of really great British electronica in it. There's some like sweet Duran Duran that's in it. It's uh, a crime story. Uh, Tom Hardy's in it. Tom Hardy's mm. obviously, yeah, very easy on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was originally a novel. And what's kind of cool about this is it was the screenplay was created by the guy who actually wrote the novel and there's kind of a joke that it was like a extremely long screenplay that he turned in initially. And they're like, no, no, you can't have like a five hour screenplay. Mm. You do need to like knock this down to something manageable. And of course he did. So it's a, it's a crime drama. Uh, so Daniel, Daniel Craig plays a drug dealer and he is looking to basically liquidate his assets and get out. So he's pretty much had a plan all along. He's got a quote unquote good head on his shoulders. He's got good connections. He gives a little spiel in the beginning about this is how you handle your business appropriately. I've done a really good job about doing that. I'm ready to get out. And of course something happens and he can't actually get out of the game. So, gotcha. uh, yeah. And it also has Chief O'Brien in it from Star Trek, <laughs> <laughs> which is really awesome to see Cole Meany be a thug. He's like yes. a straight up thug. So it's like Chief O'Brien being thuggy. That alone <laughs> makes it worth your time. So that sounds great. Yeah. 2004's Layer Cake. Check it out. Cool. I will. 
I will, I will. So um, Switchblade Sisters is what I mm. want to. So there there was a movie, I, I don't think I ever saw it, called Switchblade Sisters. Like a, It's kind of a, well, I don't know what kind. I think some sort of horror or exploitation or something. But what I'm talking about is this excellent new podcast that just checks all of my boxes. And what I mean by that is the sound is very good. The subject matter is extremely fantastic. And then the host and then the guests and everything is just super top notch. So this is a new podcast on one of my favorite podcast networks, which is Maximum Fun or Max Fun for short. And some of my other favorites like that I mentioned. Uh, Stop podcasting yourself. They're on there. Throwing shade used to be on there, but now they're on a different network. But they—that's where I first started listening to them. Oh no, Ross and Carrie, and <laughs> some of my other favorites that I mean, you know, maybe I'll highlight at another time. But this is a new one, and the person that is the host is April Wolf. She's the lead film critic for LA Weekly. Hmm. And she's also on another fun podcast as a, a co-host on Who Shot Ya podcast, which is um, something I've listened to, which is fun, which is her and Ricky Carmona and another third guest. And Ricky Carmona is really a fun guy. But hmm. today we're going to talk about this one. So this podcast is her interviewing or really, you know, having conversations with female filmmakers. So writers, directors, etc. And then they're talking about some of their favorite films that kind of are under that category of cult classics and genre films and sort of, you know, more off the beaten path type films. And it's really great. I've listened to the first episode and I absolutely loved it. And it had one of my favorite people on it. And I'll just describe how she puts it. She says, the premiere episode of Switchblade Sisters is out right now. And she's talking with Emily V. Gordon, who's Kumail Nanjani's wife and, of course, her own person. And she's uh, one of my favorite multi-creative folks. And she co-wrote with him The Big Sick, one of my favorite Aww. movies. And so they talk about the wonderfully gruesome bone tomahawk. Oh. Yeah. So and that's a film I haven't yet seen. And they definitely made me kind of want to see it, although I know it's super gruesome, especially at the end. But Rich, Richard Jenkins is also in that movie. So mm. it's a little tie in there. So, yeah, women filmmakers and a woman film critic talking about their favorite genre films and cult films. So definitely check out Switchblade Sisters. I like it. I like it. Very nice. Very much up our alley. That's great. Good recommendation. Gracias. Gracias. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so I smell the carne sada cooking. <laughs> Brian's making <laughs> dinner. I am really hungry. <laughs> so what do you say? <laughs> Shall we wrap things up for this Friday? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> well, we're at cabinminutecast.com, and you can find everything if you go to cabinminutecast.com. So yeah, go do that. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for listening on this fine Friday, and we will see you back at the cabin. Bye.